2020, what a year. It's been a complicated one, to say the very least. Many of us relied so much on the companionship of our dogs before lockdown struck in March. But now our dogs are our lifeline. That's certainly how it's been for me. and is borne out by the recent PDSA Pause 2020 report, which found that 89% of dog owners say that owning their pet dog makes them mentally healthier. But what are the COVID canines themselves? What's happening to them? Good dog. Welcome to Good Dog Talk. In this episode, I'm going to be looking mainly at rescue dogs. And I hope to give you a broad but realistic picture of the unprecedented situation dog rescues have been up against recently. When I asked the Dogs Trust for any statistics on dog rehoming this year, they said... Demand to rehome dogs in general has been sky high this year. They referenced the number of Google searches for buy a puppy up 115% in November compared to figures pre-national lockdown in March. They didn't give me specific figures on dogs that had gone out to foster homes or for those that had been adopted. I'm sure we'll get the full picture once the annual report is produced next year. But They did say that, and here's where the quote begins, the Dogs Trust also received an influx of people wanting to rehome from us. We even got around 1,000 inquiries about a single dog. This year, to date, we have seen a 62% increase in calls to rehome our dogs compared to last year. That 62% is a whopping figure. The RSPCA also came back to me with a statement. It read, we've seen unprecedented demand for dogs during lockdown, with some dogs who would once may have taken longer to rehome due to age, health or behaviour, receiving huge levels of interest. We had one elderly border collie called Ernie who had over 100 applications. Good for Ernie. Here are some more figures the RSPCA sent over. Between March 23rd and October 27th, The RSPCA's Find a Pet section of the website had 30,466,023 unique views, compared to 18,081,365 views in the same period the previous year. This is a rise of 68%. The RSPCA fostering page had... And I quote, 395,040 unique views in the same period compared to 100,949 during the same period in 2019, which, in their words, is a staggering 291% increase. But, and it's a big but, the RSPCA are also preparing for a lot of dogs to be dumped in this period before Christmas. With a deepening hardship, they are expecting their 2019 figures to be unequivocally outstripped. Dermot Murphy, head of the charity's animal rescue team, said in one press release, During the lockdown, there have been reports of a rise in people buying or adopting new pets, often for the very first time. Whilst it's great that so many people have become pet owners and have found their pet to be a real source of comfort during these challenging times, We are concerned that some people may have bought a pet on impulse without considering how their lifestyle might change once the pandemic ends. On top of that, 
we are facing real economic uncertainties and, as in previous recessions, people may simply find themselves unable to afford their pet. Well, I know someone who did consider how their lifestyle would change and took the plunge anyway. So here's Amanda and Bell's story. I've wanted a dog for years. I've put a lot of thought into having a dog. And when my lifestyle was right for, you know, taking a dog, I didn't have a fixed idea of what kind of dog that I wanted. I kind of wanted a small apartment friendly sized dog that would fit into a life in London, would be easy to transport. And then, you know, COVID came along and I missed the window to pick up a foster dog because lockdown came really quickly. Mm. So, um, you know, the summer came and I was all, you know, up in Wales from London, but I put myself on a waiting list for the local RSPCA to foster a dog. And I wanted to see what it was like having a dog full time rather than just, you know, looking after a friend's dog overnight or for the weekend or something and to see what it was like getting up at 6.30 in the morning, you know, and having to punctuate the day with what the dog needs. Mm. Because you've had a lot of experience helping out friends and, 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 yeah, and dog sitting. Um, no. I know that you've had a lot of dogs stay in your place. Um, but you, so you went down the fostering route because you wanted to actually really look at the experience of it and make sure that you were in a place. Yeah, that, yeah exactly that, exactly that. And I think if I, deep down, I always knew that if I got on well with the foster dog, it was unlikely that the foster dog would go back to kennels. <laughs> yes. I was always, <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, it was a little bit, you know, try before you buy. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that the dog and I were kind of well aligned in the way that we like to live our lives. And she does. And, you know, even before the COVID period, I mean, as you know, um, you know, I had cancer three years. It's three years ago since I finished my treatment. And I decided that I would wait for that three-year mark before committing to get a dog. And it right. sounds really neurotic, but I wanted to wait for that period because it's much more, much less likely that cancer will recur after three years, the cancer right. that I had. So you I wanted to- really wanted to know that you could give however many years to a dog. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm absolutely <laughs> fine. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that was a, you know, that was a super, super cautious. Most people wouldn't have done that. Um, But I did want to make sure that any dog that I bring into my life, I'm going to be around to look after the dog and give it what it needs. And and I don't want my foster dog, who's now my adopted dog, going back into, you know, a care system with the RSPCA, Mm. considering what a poor start in life that she had. Okay, tell tell me something about, about Belle. Well, Belle is, um, we think, six or seven years old. Very, very um, sad start to life. She was kept in a crate for the first 18 months, two years of her life, and used as a breeding bitch for fighting dogs. Horrendous. Um, She never fought herself, as far as we know, and she was just kept as a, you know, as a breeding dog. And the owners of the dog were prosecuted, and while they were being prosecuted, um, Belle couldn't be rehomed. Right. She lived in the RSPCA kennels and she's been in the RSPCA kennels for um, around four years. 
Right, as long as that. Yeah, it's really sad because the prosecution took so long that they couldn't rehome her. Um, and then obviously it came to the time where they could rehome her and then COVID struck. Mm. So she couldn't even be rehomed um, when it, you know, when they'd finished the prosecution. And, and apparently she was getting very sad and depressed in kennels. I mean, she's a very sociable dog and likes to be around people. And being in kennels, apparently she was getting despondent and just getting more and more unhappy. So they put uh, the RSPCA, the local RSPCA, put uh, a call on social media, which I answered. And was uh, that specifically for Belle or was it for general fostering? It was for asking? two dogs. It right. was for two dogs. Um, one which I didn't have an enclosed garden, so I couldn't have. And one, they said, you know, you wanted a small dog. Well, we haven't got a small dog. We've got a really big dog. Uh, <laughs> do you want to come meet her? And they talked me through what she was like um, and gave me the kind of highs and lows of what it's like to be with her. She'd spent six weeks living with, six months rather, living with someone, one of the RSPCA staff members. So he knew her really well. So I went to see her and made the decision pretty much straight away that I was going to have her. Um, she is big. She's a yeah, size. I guess. She is big. So what? How, how much does she weigh? She has lost weight. She's now 37 kilos. 37 kilos. That's Which for anyone that doesn't know, kilos. that's a lot of dog. She's a, just under six stone. Right. Um, so she's, she's a big dog. She is you know, part bull breed. So she's a Staffordshire Bull Terrier cross lurcher. So she's bull breed, she's very strong and she's very quick. Mm. So um, wasn't at all what I wanted. However, she's very chilled, very relaxed, easy in the house, doesn't whine, fits in around my working day and she makes it known to me when she wants something. Like, I know mm. when I've spent too much time on conference calls because she decides she, she doesn't chew it, but she puts her mouth on my desk around the leg of my desk, <laughs> which is a signal that right, you've done enough now. Come and take me for a walk or feed me or play or whatever. And she's great. She's mm. great. She's fitted in with my life really well. And I think I fitted in with hers really well. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's really good. So on the practical side, you've, done that but what has it meant to you emotionally yeah it's it, it it's hard to know what life would have been like coming into winter without her because I had her I picked her up um kind of middle of September mm -hmm. so having her during this period has meant that my day has a very rigid routine in terms of getting up and like you said the practical side of things but it also means that I have, even if I'm having you know, a rough day with work and it's really difficult working remotely, she doesn't care. Mm. She brings me out of myself. You know, it's, I feel very present when I'm with her. Yeah. Uh, and she's always really happy to see me. If I go out of the house two minutes, come back in, she's ecstatic. <laughs> um, and it makes me feel um, really happy having her around. It's great having company. I'm not sitting in the house on my own all day. Um, she's just super company and it's uplifting. And I feel like I go out in nature every day. We walk about uh, 10 kilometers every day, spread over three walks. Mm. So I'm out in nature in the local area in Wales. 
I've met people on our walks that I wouldn't have met say, anywhere. Have you had a more more um, social interactions outside? Because I know that you you would have been doing exercise, but it's not quite the same as going out with with your dog. Yeah, and it's really nice, you know, people in the village that I live. Even though I am Welsh speaking, I don't. I'm not local to this village, and I you know I haven't lived here all my life. People don't know me, but they now know my dog. <laughs> so people will always ask how Belle is, how she's settling. People know her story. You know, I've been talking to people if they're approaching us from, you know, 50, 50 meters away or whatever, I will say, you know, she's a rescue in training. Can you just help me just slow down a little bit. And people have mentioned how much she's moving on, how much she's improving. Yes. So they're seeing it. Yeah. So people locally are seeing it. It's nice to know my neighbors. I know all the people that live on my block who've got dogs. So I've made friends that I wouldn't have met otherwise. Mm. But it, yeah, that's been really great to meet some local people and to be able to go out for walks with other people. Mm. Now I'm starting to feel more confident with her. Right, because because she is a big dog, you need to be confident. I, I She's think, a big dog. you know, you sort of um, are, are there. Um, yes, Leon, thank you very much, boy, for coming in on the conversation. What were your fears when you had her because of the size of her and because she's, um, a, you know, she's got that staffy type face. Obviously, there are uh, there are prejudices out there. How did you have any fears about how yeah, cool. you might be able to handle this? Yeah, because she's she's a very, very strong dog. Um, and if she and she has a strong prey drive, she's part lurcher. So she's really quick. Mm. And if she decides she wants to chase something, I need to be aware of it all the time. In terms of how people feel towards us, when I first had her, um, she's been muzzle trained and she mm. would wear a muzzle very comfortably. But obviously it looks really threatening. So I've got a huge dog wearing a muzzle. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and people were looking at me like I was, you know, I've got a dangerous dog or something like that. But clearly she's not. She's muzzled. She's under control. She's actually really easy. And we don't use the muzzle that often anymore. I, I used to carry it with me. So if I saw a dog approaching, I'd put the muzzle on just to prevent anything potentially happening. Yeah. Um, but she very rarely, very, very rarely responds to another dog unless it's very aggressive. But I'm still pleased that um, I started with a muzzle until I built confidence in her. Yeah. And then and her in me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Gives you that yeah. opportunity. So when did... You you said that you sort of um, knew at the beginning that you would probably not be giving the dog back if you really got on with her. If it, but yeah. when did you actually make that decision? It came to crunch time. Uh, I got a call from the RSPCA quite recently um, telling me that they'd had some paperwork through for her and there was somebody... Um, interested in rehoming Belle. So I was going to have to bring her to the RSPCA for the new potential owners to meet her because obviously their focus is getting their dog rehomed permanently. Yeah. Um, and it was at that point, it took me about 24 hours to make the decision and talk it through with you know, my family about how I was going to accommodate her. Mm. Initially, I thought she might be able to stay with my parents Mm -hmm. But she's huge and she's two thirds of the weight of my mum and too big for my mum to manage. So it was really always going to be with me. 
that must have been sort of quite quite a you know a working out you know the, the the logistics for you because I know you you travel you you know you'll be going down to London you, you know she'll be in the city as well as back in the country um, so there are a lot of things to actually uh, work through there very quickly yeah absolutely and I think you know thinking about going back to London that was the biggest concern that I had would she be able to settle in an environment that is very busy because I live smack bang in the middle of central London near St. Paul's Cathedral, would, is this going to be suitable for, for her? Um, so that's something actually I did speak to the RSPCA about before I made the decision to take her. Right. And we talked about how she is. Did they give you any indication on that? How, how, how did they uh, respond yeah, to they that? Did. Yeah, they did. We, we talked about um, gradually introducing her to busier areas around where I currently live, mm -hmm. where there are more people, more traffic and just getting her more comfortable with that in towns. Mm -hmm. um, we also talked about doing short trips to London so she can try it and we can get familiar with it. And privately, I've also talked to a dog behaviourist about how to get her settled around traffic. Mm -hmm. Because that's yeah. something that is much more prevalent in London than it is where I live in Wales. Yes. Plus we're, yes. Going to spend, we're going to spend quite a lot of time in Wales when it's, when COVID period is over. Right. So, so normal life will be two homes and, and uh, yeah. quite a lot of traveling. So actually yeah. issues for you in this current period will probably be the, the same issues when we all return to uh, normality. Exactly, exactly. It's just going to mean, you know, I need, I need to make some adaptation, adaptations to my flat, mm -hmm. uh, just make it more dog friendly because I have quite slippery wooden floors, so I need to carpet <laughs> that. And just, ba just, you know, quite simple things to make, you know, to make that environment comfortable for her. Mm. And, I, you know, I have thought about all of the costs involved in having a dog and... I hadn't really thought about the cost of recarpeting my home, but that's fine. <laughs> that's good. Um, what about health-wise? Because she obviously didn't have the greatest start in life. So you're probably taking on a dog that's going to have more, uh, more expenses. Uh, yeah. So it, it's, again, how were the RSPCA and sort of being realistic about what everything uh, all the things that would be required yeah I mean she's she's a crossbreed and she's pretty healthy mm. uh, at the moment she doesn't have any long-standing issues apart from a little bit of rheumatism but generally she's pretty healthy and I guess you know I'm accepting that I'm going to have the expense of looking after this dog probably for six or seven years yeah hopefully a bit longer yeah. hopefully a bit longer mm. and you know my life hopefully will change and I'll spend less time in London and more time with her here in mm. Wales. That's the plan anyway, who knows. We'll have to get a report back on how she's loving the streets of London. I know, a little city dog. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so um, I would say that the last question would be, uh, did you do the right thing? But from everything that you've said, do you absolutely feel that you have done the right thing? Absolutely. The thought of taking her back made me feel sick. It feels like she, you know, I know it's ridiculous to feel that you get so attached to your dog, but it feels like she's a family member. And it's not just me that feels the same. My parents feel the same way, but it was my decision to make to keep her. And it's the right one. I couldn't have given her back. 
I just couldn't have given her back. We really like each other and we have, you know, have a really nice life together. Um, and I'm looking forward to um, whatever that means in the coming years. And I'm sure, you know, when I got her, I knew it would be, when I decided to keep her, I knew that it would be inconvenient and she's too big and it's going to be expensive. And that was all paled into insignificance at the thought of losing her. Sounds like she's really added another, a really strong layer to your life. She has, you know, in, in every way, um, you know, I really love her. She's great company um, when I'm working at home. It's absolutely fantastic having a reason to stop, to punctuate the day and take myself away from a laptop. It's great for my physical exercise. You know, I've lost, I don't know, had her for 10 weeks. I think I've lost about three kilos in 10 weeks. You lucky thing. I know, I know. Um, and that's doing 10 kilometres a day. You know, I feel like the exercise the mental clarity of having a dog, you know, you have to just be present with the dog and go out for a walk. It doesn't matter what the weather is or what you're doing. Just the joy that having a dog has brought me is incredible. I, 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 I knew that I would, I really wanted a dog. I had no idea how happy that it would make me having her in my life. Um, the level of joy I thought it would be, you know, something and it's two or three times greater than I thought it would be. I'm just so happy having her in my life. That's really lovely. To have six and a half years without, um, you know, a home and a sofa of your own and to come here and, you know, have someone's pretty much undivided attention, I think is pretty nice. Yeah, I'm sure she'd agree. Yeah, I think she probably would. But yeah, she's so cute. I mean, she's currently curled up on her bed, snuggling her blankie, fast asleep. Yeah, she's really cute. You know, she's 37 kilos of cute. Well, yes. Can 37 kilos be cute? Of course. Um, I'd argue yes. When I got her, people were saying to me, oh, you've done such a good thing getting, you know, a rescue dog, fostering a rescue dog. I don't really know who rescued who. Mm. You know, in lockdown, on my, living in my, on my own in, um, in Wales with incessant rain would have been miserable without the dog. But I definitely get a lot out of having her in my life. Like, I just feel so happy having her. She's just too gorgeous. Good luck, Amanda, and good luck, Belle. I have a sneaking suspicion that all will be well in that relationship. Before I finish, I'd like to go back to the PDSA. Separate to the pause report, the PDSA said recently that the number of people inquiring about eligibility to access the charity's services rose by 59% during the summer highlighting the financial desperation that growing numbers of pet owners are experiencing. And inquiries to their pet hospitals from owners eligible to access the charity's services has also increased by 81%. Paul Mangtelau, one of the charity's vets, said that they were experiencing the start of a pet welfare crisis as a result of COVID-19. Back to the report, worryingly, the research indicates that behavioural problems are on the increase. As many as 20% of dogs in the UK have started to show new behaviours, with 5% saying their dog had started showing signs of distress when left alone. There are also deepening rates of pet obesity. 8% of owners stated their dog gained weight during lockdown, potentially affecting as many as 790,000 dogs. 
I'd like to end on a positive note. PDSA Director of Veterinary Services, Richard Hooker, said, The report reflected the enormous positive impact pets have on people's lives, with roughly half of owners surveyed, 49%, agreeing that their pet has been a lifeline during these challenging times. Thank you for listening. Good dog.